On today's episode, Anna is sharing the survival story of Elizabeth Fritzel, a woman that was held captive for 24 years by her own father. Welcome to Crime Bar. What is today? Monday. <laughs> and panicked yeah. and all. Uh, no, the first episode of season four. Oh, yeah. We right. back, baby. We back, baby. How's everybody doing? <laughs> How's the crowd tonight? Well, so last week we did like a fun little Q&A. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did a guest episode with mm-hmm. Brett, mm-hmm. your hubby. Mm-hmm. Um, the one. So it was a nice little break, and I hope you all enjoyed that. Enjoyed it. <laughs> I have no set intro for right now, so I'm just kind of winging it, if you can't tell. No, that was great. Big Um, on the improv now. I think a lot of ladies liked seeing him. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) You are welcome, you guys. There's more where that came from. Uh Yeah, he's here anytime. Yeah. (laughs) Just requested. Oh, visual needs. (laughs) Okay, so what are you doing today? I am covering the Fritzel case. Joseph Fritzel, Elizabeth Fritzel, the one that basically the room. The this, movie oh, the Larson. survivor story. Yeah, it's a survival story, so just keep that in mind. This is very heavy. It's very intense. Um, it is a case that has inspired numerous long-term captivity-themed books and movies, like The Room with Brie mm-hmm. Larson, and then that one basement one that I tried to get through. You saw me try to watch it. Paused it after 10 minutes. Couldn't do it. Um, I'll just dive right in. Okay. The monster that is Joseph Fritzl was born in Amstetten, Austria, on April 9th, 1935, which makes him an Aries. Okay. I personally don't think that this guy deserves much of a backstory, so I'm going to make it very quick. Yeah, um, forget him. Yeah, seriously, yeah, he's gross. No. I'm wasting my time mm-hmm, or yours. No. He was an only child. His father deserted uh, he and his mother when he was only four years old. His father fought in World War II and was killed in action. He was actually liked in school, and he was described as pleasant his classmates seemed to pity him a little bit uh, and always looked out for him the, the parents kind of said look out for that joseph guy because i think his his mother was poor single mom so they mm-hmm. kind of just looked out for him mm-hmm. his teachers and classmates said that he excelled in school and he was always one of the top students in his class a lot of wasted potential yeah joseph was very um fond of his mother <laughs> is oh. a good word Despite like an Ed Gein like kind an Ed of Gein situation, mm. yes, but he's not even as endearing as Ed Gein. Do you, would you call that endearing? I think Ed there's Gein's? some endearing qualities about him. Ed Gein, story for another time, really. <laughs> <laughs> so, despite Joseph claiming that he was incredibly fearful of his mother, he was very fond of her. She called him Satan and frequently beat him. Oh, but he later said. She was the best woman in the world, and I was her husband in some ways. I was the only man in the house. I loved her over everything. 
Did I fantasize about my mother? Probably, but I was strong and therefore managed to suppress my urges. Oh, but I was strong. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. At the age of 21, Joseph married Rosemary, who was only 17 years old at the time. He fell in love with her despite her being very different than his mother. He compared, <laughs> I know, I hate that that was like a huge thing. Every time I'd read it, it'd be like, despite him being, her being so different than his mother, <laughs> so he <different>. persevered. <laughs> wow. Well, he is strong, to, remember? <laughs> yes, that's true, mentally. He compared Rosemary, 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 Rosemary. How would you do it? I think it's Rosemary because Marie is M-A-R-I-E. That's what hers is. Rosemary. Oh, then her name is Rosemary. <laughs> oh, that's tough. It does not roll off the tongue for me. Um, he thought that she was weak and a lot more shy than his mother. So she just like wasn't domineering and abusive. Oh. I don't know why anyone would need to compare a lover to their mother, but um, there's like a lot of things about this story that I will not, oh, I'll I mean, never understand. A lot of people do that. <laughs> Rosemary's family initially recalled that they liked Joseph. At, at first, it was like a really good impression. They said that he was friendly and kind, but that changed over the years. He became controlling and rude. And at one point, he was yelling at Rosemary and her sister to stop eating because they're already too fat. Like in a <gasps> panic, stop eating. Oh my God. <laughs> what? And this was like a normal thing. Uh, like he would just panic mid-meal. Stop doing it. <laughs> I When I heard that when I was watching the documentary, I immediately was like, can you imagine a man doing that to you and Shannon? Oh, he would die. That he would literally be stabbed with a fork. Yeah, Brett would be murdered and what you'd is? be covering the story next week. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. All right, B. In 1967, Joseph broke into the home of a 24-year-old nurse while her husband wasn't home. He raped her while he held a knife to her throat. Oh. He was, uh, oh, he was arrested for the crime and served just 12 months of his 18-month sentence. Rosemary decided to forgive her husband for what he had done, and she went on to have two sons and five daughters with him. Elizabeth Fritzel was number four out of the seven children that they had together. She was born in 1966 and was described as very shy and quiet. Rosemary told her sister that she was very aware of how abusive her husband was towards Elizabeth. She said that Joseph just didn't like her, and when asked why, she said he just doesn't like her. <laughs> That's it. I know that abuse, she was obviously being abused. You can tell by a lot of her behavior. Rosemary. Rosemary. Oh, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I know and abuse. If she's met him when they got together when she was 17. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's just, just brainwashed. a baby. And then that's all she knows. Exactly. And like, that's why I was trying to say, I was like, I, I try to empathize with everyone involved. And I know that abuse does something to your brain. But as a mother, you kind of have a duty to protect your children and get them out of an environment like that. So if you're yeah. aware that your husband is sexually abusing your daughter remove the situation don't no. just say he just doesn't like her it's, it, yeah there's a lot of bitterness that comes up about her but yeah. years later elizabeth stated that the abuse started when she was only 11 years old when she was 16 she became a lot more like aggressive and assertive i think out of just protecting herself mm -hmm. and this deeply bothered her father he began to treat her like she was this problem child because she made things well, difficult yeah. for him. If she's not making it easy to be abused, yeah. then that's that's a problem. She's a problem for, for a Joseph. Predator. Yeah. In 1983, she ran away from home with one of her girlfriends. They made their way to Vienna and found some friends to stay with. 
One day, the police came by and found them, and the next day, they were returned back to Joseph. No questions Vienna, asked. Vienna? Where did they live? In Austria. Um, oh, oh. Oh, I think you did say that. In the beginning. For some reason, I was thinking this was in the States, so I was like, yeah. wow, they ran away to Vienna. <laughs> Specifically, oh, <wow>. huh? <laughs> For the music well, festival. What an adventure. <laughs> it is, and how fun. That was the last time that the two girls ever saw each other. It seemed as if her friends weren't allowed over to the house anymore after that particular incident. He was isolating her from the outside world and trying to reinforce as much control as possible. Understandably, Elizabeth began to rebel. She started drinking, smoking, partying. Uh, She started hanging out with a really tough crowd. She ran away repeatedly, but was always found and returned back to her home. Joseph was very strict and controlling with his wife. Rosemary was a very hardworking woman and he and she made all of her own money because he refused to help her financially, emotionally, mentally, any way, shape or form. Jeez. If she ever did anything wrong or created like the slightest inconvenience for him, he would threaten to lock her into the house. Yeah, just like lock her up or you can't make any mistakes, Rosemary. Wow. Rosemary's sister said that he treated her like scum of the earth and that she was in a constant state of fear for her children and for herself. He worked for a construction material firm then eventually became a technical equipment salesman. He was relatively successful and respected in his community. He respected his community? Respected in his community? Oh, in his community. He was respected. He said he respected, respected his, his community. community. I love his town. <laughs> when he was 60 years old, he retired for the most part, but continued to make money by buying and renting out apartment buildings with his wife. On a summer day in 1984, Joseph asked his youngest daughter, Elizabeth, to help him with a task in the basement of their home. He had just renovated the whole thing, and now he wanted to refit the door that was used to access the cellar. And, like, Elizabeth was fully aware that he'd been renovating it for a while, so I don't think that she thought that was suspicious. Yeah. As you, I mean, why would you? Why would you? So Elizabeth agrees and helps him carry this really heavy new door down the stairs. As she held the door in its place, Joseph started screwing in the hinges. As soon as it was usable, he quickly swings the door open and forces his daughter inside. Joseph aggressively shoves an ether-soaked towel against her face, and it knocks her unconscious. That very day, Elizabeth's mother filed a missing persons report. She hadn't seen her or heard from her all day, and like a very normal parent, she was scared to death about what that could mean. Meanwhile, Joseph is as calm as can be. When the police visited the house and asked them if they had any idea where she might be, he goes, oh, she most likely joined a religious cult or something, as like teenagers do. Oh, you know. know. Little did the police know that Elizabeth was 20 feet below their feet, locked up in the cellar of her own home. Rumors started going around that she must have joined a religious cult or a sect or even became a prostitute in Holland. For weeks and weeks, the police searched for Elizabeth. Then one day, about a month later, Joseph shows up with a letter. It was a letter written by Elizabeth, stating that she had simply gotten over living with her family and she had run away. It said that she was staying with a friend and she didn't want anyone looking for her. Reading this, the cops were like, okay, fine. There's no point searching for her then. Yeah, because how old was she? She was 18. So they would have just thought... She's an adult now. She's an adult, so if she says she's safe and she's run away... Or not run away, you can't run away as an adult, but like 
doesn't want to be with her family anymore. So that's it. It's fair. What are they going to do? Yeah. And she also had a history of running away. She'd been, yeah. She's done it so many times in the right. past. I think that they just kind of like, they thought they'd find her or she'd come back. Yeah. Joseph had made Elizabeth write this letter to get authorities off his butt. The first of several letters that he made Elizabeth write. I'm going to do my best to describe the conditions in which she was living. Um, the house itself was super old, built in 1890 or around that time. Jeez. Joseph applied for a permit to basically add on this extension to the basement that they had currently had. In 1983, building inspectors came by and confirmed that everything looked legit and it was done correctly. But what they didn't know was that Joseph had actually excavated a much larger area than what was legally allowed, but it was concealed by like a, the bonus area was concealed by walls, like fake walls that he had put up. Oh shit. So this meant that the house now had a completely hidden cellar that no one but Joseph actually knew about, not even his wife. There were three small open cells, a small storage area, two sleeping areas, a very like basic kitchen area and a bathroom. And the whole thing was about 380 square feet with very low ceilings. Like I believe they were like five feet, six inches tall. Oh, me. Yeah. Literally as tall like, as me. Like you would have to hunch over. Whoa. There were two different access points, one door that weighed 1100 friggin' pounds. <gasps> And I and that I heard, can't be the door they should no 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 no, no down no. So there was another one. Um, it was a metal door that had been reinforced with concrete that weighed approximately six hundred fifty pounds. So I don't know if maybe they carried down the metal door and then he reinforced it after it was put into place. But yeah. the the eleven hundred pound door, I read somewhere that it wasn't even usable because it was just too heavy. Yeah, that's so there was just no point. The slab of cement, basically. It's a wall. Yeah. yeah. So this door was protected by an electronic code that was controlled by this like whole separate unit. Uh, it was really lo- back in the eighties. That feels so. I know it high-tech. does feel high tech. <laughs> it was located behind a shelf that was in Joseph's like little basement office area. So once you get through the door, like with one of the access points behind the bookshelf, we'll post pictures on the Instagram so you can get what I'm talking about. But there's this 16 foot narrow corridor to enter into the sleeping area that is just like nightmare material. It's like you just basically turn sideways to fit through it. Super narrow, really low. And then you're basically going into the sleeping area where they're just crammed into. I am so so claustrophobic. So I don't like, I can, I cannot comprehend that. Yeah. Like imagine being stuck in this for a long, I mean, it's a beautiful big garage. Can you imagine being? Yeah. It's a pretty enclosed space. Yes. To even access the area in which Elizabeth was being held, you needed to unlock eight different doors two of which were extra secure with the whole electronic locking device thing that he had. So now that you can somewhat picture her living conditions, I think it's time to mention that Elizabeth was held captive in that basement for 24 years. (gasps) 24 years of the most horrific treatment one could ever imagine at the hands of her own father in a hidden cell right under the floorboards of her own family home. Wow. Joseph visited his daughter in the chamber every single day. He would bring her a very minimal amount of food, barely enough to survive. Her only form of entertainment came from a TV, a radio, and a video cassette player. 
Joseph tortured, assaulted, and raped Elizabeth repeatedly. Ugh. I watched a documentary about this case called Joseph Fritzl's Story of a Monster, and it said that she had been raped approximately 3,000 times over the course of her detainment. Holy shit. I know. Joseph later said that he could tell Elizabeth did not like the things that he did to her and that she was very obviously in pain. Oh, really? But he said he couldn't help it. He said it was like this addiction finally getting his hands on the forbidden fruit. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Elizabeth first became pregnant in 1986. Uh. She suffered a miscarriage that November. In August of 1988, she gave birth to her first daughter, Kirsten. This poor woman goes on to give birth to six more babies during her time in the basement. Oh my God, she had six children? Six children. Uh, less than two years after the birth of Kirsten, she gave birth to her first son, Stefan, or Stefan. In August of 1992, her second daughter is born. At nine months old, Joseph snuck the baby out of the basement and placed the baby in a cardboard box with a note, another letter that Joseph had made Elizabeth write, and it was asking for someone to take care of the baby. He placed that box right outside their family home. Local authorities declared, like like, like outside their like door. Like the way that you put like a couch on the yeah. sidewalk and say free. But specifically on their doorsteps that I think he just oh. knew his wife would want to take care of the baby if she found a baby on her doorstep. Well, and it's from Elizabeth, her yes, because they think that she's run off and she just doesn't want to have doesn't want to be responsible for yeah. this baby. Oh, okay. And local authorities declared that they could be the foster parents of this child. Apparently, Joseph told a very convincing story of how the baby showed up at their doorstep, and they decided that it all checked out. Social workers would come by regularly to check in on the child, and they never found anything that made them suspicious. I mean, I don't know what the laws are in um, Austria. Austria, but like you would assume that if if there's a letter in there, they all believe that this is from their daughter who yeah. has exiled her whole family from mm -hmm. her life, that they would at least follow up with that daughter to be One like, you left a child on a doorstep. Like, sure, yeah. it's your, your parents, but... There's a whole lot of that. Just even the fact that she would run away repeatedly, never ask questions and would just run, return her back to her father... There are so many ways in which yeah. authorities could have interjected themselves Definitely. and they didn't. Yeah. The following year, Elizabeth began to beg Joseph for a bigger living space. She is now in a 380 square foot cell with two children, no windows or room to even move. I Do you have any idea why he took that baby versus the other two? We'll get into that a little bit, but I think it was more just like he, I don't think there was room. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think it was strictly came down to just being able to feed that baby. How's the baby? I I don't know. Babies are small. Yeah, but I think the fact that they already had two other ones and then her in that small little space. Yeah. He finally agrees, uh, but makes Elizabeth and her children do the work. They spent years digging out soil with their own bare hands. Oh, my God. The basement almost doubled in size. In did, did that not make any noise? The digging, we'll get into well, that. Well, I guess not if it's their, your No, hands. there's some noise oh. involved, yeah. Oh. In February of 1994, Monica is born. Ten months after her birth, Joseph once again snuck the baby out of the basement and put her outside the entrance of the house. You know, now that I'm kind Ten of thinking months. about this, so that she could be breastfed, I'm assuming. Oh. 
I'm wondering if there's an aspect of this where it's like, I mean, these are technically his children and he wants some sort of connection. Like there's like an ego thing involved of wanting to, I don't know, like an abusive humiliation control thing with his wife taking care of his baby with another woman. With their child. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, knowing his personality. Um. So 10 months after her birth, Joseph once again snuck the baby out of the basement and put her outside the entrance of the house. Joseph then calls Rosemary and used a voice recording from Elizabeth to ask that she take care of her baby. Whoa. Rosemary immediately goes to the police and reports what just happened. She's completely dumbfounded because they had gotten a new unlisted phone number and Elizabeth (gasps) would have had no way of knowing what that was. Oh, Rosemary, go mm-hmm. girl. Yeah, good call. I mean, it doesn't do much, but good call. Oh. So w- one of the like a thousand aspects of this that really disgusts me is the fact that everyone was blaming Elizabeth. No one could understand what kind of mother would ever give birth and then give the child away for someone else to deal with. So she's kind of being labeled like this careless monster around town. Yeah. Little does everyone know, obviously. Yeah, but nobody's asking any actual questions or no. looking at it from any other angle they just think she's this irresponsible selfish there's young not a girl. single virgo living in that little town clearly in not just a, i was gonna say a bunch of certain signs but i'm not gonna say it don't want to create any <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna do that <laughs> we don't want to alienate yeah. anyone <laughs> no 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 <laughs> so less than two years later elizabeth gives birth to twin boys only one of the babies survives one of the babies survived Elizabeth said later that she believes Joseph burned the body of the deceased baby in the incinerator that was located inside of the house. Oh, God. The surviving twin was taken at 15 months old and placed outside the family home, just like his two sisters. So his mother is now raising three of her so-called runaway daughter's babies. Wow. The last baby was born in December of 2002. The only reason Joseph didn't take that baby away is because he could see that his wife was like in distress and could not handle looking after one more child. Yeah, so so you selfless, said, Joseph. How many kids did they have together? Like seven, seven kids, mm-hmm. and then he's, Throw three he's more brought her. three more newborns. Infants. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, none of those are newborns. Okay, well, okay. So youngs, youngin, youngins, youngins. <laughs> Elizabeth did the best that she could to raise her children in this awful environment and circumstance. She taught them how to read and to write. And I honestly could not get past how she must have felt knowing that her children were growing up without knowing what the sky looked like or like what a breeze feels like, what a tree looks like, just normal, basic things that in her mind, like these kids would never experience. Yeah, I mean, did they, did he give them like, anything like what was down there were there toys down there were there clothes like what did he how did he clothe them and stuff how did he feed them he would he would bring down food we'll get into that okay um but he would you know bring them down food um he would give them clothing uh he gave them a tv there was a radio so i can't even imagine what that would do to your like amount of questions that elizabeth had to answer when it comes to like, what is that? And what is this? That would be so far out of like your comprehension, seeing things on the TV yeah, that are so foreign to your yeah. box of a world. You literally only know this box. Yeah. So what, what the hell is what, this car? And I know. Like airplanes and- It's almost worse somehow. Yeah. Like it's like teasing them. So while Elizabeth is doing her best, 
Joseph, on the other hand, was completely cruel, which is obviously no shocker. He told the children that they would be gassed if they ever tried to escape. He told them that if they even touched the door, they would be electrocuted. He punished them ever so often by shutting off the lights or just refusing to deliver them food. Elizabeth's children suffered from anxiety and panic attacks constantly. Like normal occurrences, like the lights being dimmed or Mm. a door even shutting would cause them to spiral into like these intense panic attacks. Yeah. Kirsten tore clumps of hair out of her scalp and she would like shred her clothing up and try to flush them down the toilet. The ceiling of the basement was only about five feet, six inches tall, which made it so that Stefan could not walk properly because he was five, eight. So he just didn't, he couldn't stand upright. He would always had to be in a constant hunched sort of position. And you might be wondering how his wife didn't know that her daughter and grandchildren were being held captive right under her feet. Yeah. Apparently, Joseph had very strict rules and Rosemary was not allowed to even enter her basement. Every morning at 9 a.m., Joseph would go down to the basement to supposedly like draw up plans for work every day at nine, all day, every day. His wife wasn't ever allowed to disturb him while he worked. He often slept down there and claimed that he was just working late. Joseph considered the basement his kingdom that only he had access to. Like a man cave. Yeah. (laughs) That's true. Rosemary wasn't even allowed to bring him a cup of coffee as he worked. Based off Joseph's overall behavior, I would assume that he was physically abusive towards his wife and that she was just fearful and did, you know, she just wanted to obey him and maybe just leave her alone. Even if he wasn't um, physically abusive, there's obviously such significant mental and emotional abuse going on. 100%. And yeah, if, 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 if this means just like getting away from him, then why is she going to disturb him down in his man cave? Very true. And like, because I was trying to think of that their abuse had to be involved because if my husband was like, don't go in here, that is the first thing I'm doing when he leaves the house. Yeah, but you haven't been with this like monster since you were 17. Uh, Exactly. Um, One time a tenant that rented out a room in their house complained that they could hear noises coming from the basement. He said that there was this weird knocking noise that really disturbed him and it would happen in the middle of the night. Joseph explained away the concerns with talk of faulty pipes and the heating system. The tenant later said that he didn't buy this at all. There was this one guy that rented a room in the Fritzl house and he would always have like these like big parties and smoke and goof around and there's like footage of them like just dancing and staying up all night. Um, It's like on that documentary that I was watching and there's one particular video of he and his friends drinking while Elizabeth and her children, like in the very room right above where she and the children are. So like I was thinking if I were him knowing that I'm just like joyously laughing and singing and knowing for a fact that she can hear this joy right there. He said that whenever he was alone in his room, his dog would scratch at the floorboards and <gasps> snarl. Oh no. And for the life of him, he couldn't figure out what his dog's like, problem what the was. Hell, dog. Yeah, it was yeah. weird because he was like a very obedient, calm, and like friendly dog. And he only did this in this one particular room at the floor. Wow. The dog would just be lying on the floor in a way that seemed like he was trying to listen to something. And then he would stare at the floorboards and just start snarling. 
Oh my gosh. Joseph loved Thailand and he would go often with one of his good guy friends just to like enjoy massages. Yeah, I know what kind he's. Yes, <laughs> like little beach days and Thai massages. Mm, yeah. And when he last went, it was when Elizabeth had been held captive for, I think it was like 15 years at this point. Okay. And had given birth to seven of his babies. Joseph's friend recalls him getting massages, laughing, having a grand old time exploring Thailand while he has his family members locked up in a dungeon. And there's like this whole vacation is on like a camcorder. So you can see him like inappropriately like grabbing the Thai masseuses and just like in his little speedo frolicking on the beach. And And he's like old. And he's disgusted. He's like a disgusting man. And the friend recalls that one day when they were exploring the shops, um, his friend suggested that he get a present for his wife, Rosemary. Joseph was basically like, no, she has everything that she needs. I don't need to get her anything. She's fine. His friend then sees Joseph purchasing a dress that is tiny, like noticeably way too small to ever fit his wife. Ew. And you can see this on once again, the like live footage cam recorder. It's like him in the corner, like trying to like pick out this little dress. Ew. Like and a child's dress? Like just like a tiny, or just a really tiny, small. like a teensy. Yeah. Just petite. And his wife was like very, you know, bodacious, like curvy. And, you know, his daughter's being held captive with minimum, you know, minimal amount of food. So mm. his friend has is documenting the whole trip, obviously, like I was saying. And as soon as Joseph saw that he was filming him buying this tiny dress, he starts yelling, turn that off, turn the camera off in a panic, just like turn it off, turn it off, turn it off. Oh my God. And he goes, this dress isn't for Rosemary. It's for my girlfriend. Oh. In February of 2008, Elizabeth's oldest daughter, Kirsten, who is now 19 years old, becomes. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. Holy shit. Yeah, you forget how yeah. long. 19 friggin' years old. She becomes insanely sick. She was going in and out of consciousness, and Elizabeth was terrified. Like something was very wrong. She needed attention, medical yeah. treatment. She's ASAP. never once had metal, medical no, attention. No, she just of came into kind. the earth. Yeah. She begs her father to get Kirsten medical treatment. He agrees on April 19th. So that means that Kirsten was sick for months before he decided to do anything about it. Wow. Kirsten was severely undernourished and probably weighed nothing, but Joseph still needed Elizabeth's help to lift her. He's an old friggin' man. Yeah, he's so old at this it's point. Disgusting and, and she's, old. she's 19. She's a woman. Oh my God. This was the day that 19-year-old Kirsten saw the outside world for the very first time. And the first time in 24 years that Elizabeth was allowed outside of her prison. Of course, the second he doesn't need Elizabeth anymore, he forces her back down into the basement and locks her up. Wow. An ambulance took Kirsten to a local hospital in Amstetten, She was diagnosed with life-threatening kidney failure and was in very serious condition. She was put into an artificially induced coma. Joseph shows up later to the hospital and claimed to have found a note, once again written by Kirsten's mother. Joseph had made Elizabeth write one more letter, basically saying, please help my daughter. I'm sorry, I can't be here. Yada, yada, yada. The hospital staff didn't buy any of this like everything about joseph and his story did not feel right to them the medical staff actually calls up the police 
who then put out an alert asking that this mystery woman come forward and provide them more information about the daughter's medical history. Yeah. Well, Elizabeth obviously can't see this, doesn't see this. Right. Um, the police then decide that it's very necessary to reopen her missing persons case. Joseph once again claims that she ran away to join a religious cult, but nothing about his story or this like so-called cult that he's making up. Yeah. It doesn't check out. It's right. not true. Right. So about a week goes by and it's like the the authorities all are somewhat aware of most they've heard everything cults and things like yeah. that too. So it's like like what cult is that? Like we've never yeah. even heard of it. What are you talking about? Why does Joseph know about it and why isn't he going to get her if she's there? Like there's so yeah, many elements of this. Cult. Yes, it doesn't make sense. So about a week goes by and Elizabeth is losing her mind, not knowing whether or not her daughter is okay or even alive or dead at this point. Yeah. She begs Joseph to let her go to the hospital and like shockingly enough, he says yes. Whoa. I know. On April 26, he lets Elizabeth and her two sons, Stefan and Felix, out of the basement. And this part really shocked me. He brings her to the hospital. The medical staff is like, this is the girl that's been missing for decades now. Right. And she just walked in with her father. Yeah. So they call the police and Joseph and Elizabeth are immediately detained then brought straight to the police station for like, questioning. Yeah. Elizabeth starts out by saying that she is not giving anyone any information until she is given the promise that she never has to see her father again. The information that she gave the police over the next two hours is the most disgusting and heinous stuff you have ever heard. I don't think I need to go through like every atrocity that he committed towards Elizabeth because we'd be here for a long time. Um, but just to sum up what this man was willing to put his daughter through, Joseph made Elizabeth watch very graphic porn while raping her and then made her reenact what she had just watched oh. in front of her children, like all for the sake of humiliating her. Joseph Fritzel was arrested and Elizabeth, her children, and her mother Rosemary were all taken into care. Joseph told the authorities that they could enter the basement by going through a tiny hidden door that didn't need a key. It just required an entry code. And so all the evidence down there yeah. and then DNA evidence confirmed what we already knew, which was Joseph was the father of all of Elizabeth's children. The previous year, Joseph had made Elizabeth write a letter claiming that she was going to come home eventually, just not quite yet. It seems as if he wanted to release her and was trying to fabricate this like whole story to explain away her being gone for so long. Police assumed that he was going to stage a rescue from this so-called religious cult and then bring his daughter home so he could be like both the hero, the savior, and save his butt type thing. And he's probably so old at this point that he knows he's going to die. And so if he doesn't release them, they're all just going to starve to death down in there. In the basement. Yeah. Joseph claimed that he had considered letting his daughter go multiple times over the 24 years, but decided against it because with each passing day, he would be judged more and more. Like, oh, now it's weird. Well, it does not <laughs> surprise me that his logic is just so warped. So ass backwards. Like God forbid he gets judged. Just in case you don't hate this guy already uh, enough, 
when he would enter the courtroom, he would like shield his face so that no one could get photos of him or see him. It was just like too shameful for him. Um, when the journalists and other spectators were told to leave, he would then reveal his face. Speaking of like people I really, really hate, his defense attorney claimed that Joseph was yeah. not a monster because on one occasion, he brought down a Christmas tree for them to enjoy during the holidays. Oh, like in that oh, case. Oh, well, in that oh, case. He's a good dude. Why didn't you lead with that? I know. I'm sorry. The jurors watched Elizabeth's testimony that had been recorded prior because like, she didn't want to ever see her father again. So they sure. had to do things beforehand. Yeah. So she wouldn't have to be in the same room. Exactly. And they could not handle listening to more than two hours at a time. Despite her original demands to never see her father again, she decides to attend the second day of the trial against her father. She said she was planning on writing a book about what she had endured and wore a disguise while she sat in the visitor area. Oh, whoa. I know. It's like... When Joseph saw her, he lost all of the color in his face. And the very next day, Joseph pled guilty on all charges. Wow. As expected, the psychological and physical trauma that Elizabeth and her children endured took a massive toll on them. She and her six children were being taken care of in a private clinic so that they could be protected from the outside world, as well as receive extensive psychological and medical treatment. The three children that were held underground all those years required like a lot of, of a ton of therapy, obviously, and yeah. specifically for their- I'm also sure the other ones that were raised by him and his wife were- Yes, because they had like a lot of anger and betrayal and- this, they And had, I'm sure he abused them like he abused his kids. Of, and of course. Too. But the ones that were downstairs had to do this like light treatment. Because they had been in a dark room their entire lives. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. And he never let the lights go above. It was like semi-dark. Wow. At all times. It's just like dim all the time. All the time. And so all of a sudden they're seeing the sun and lights. Like it was too much for them to, yeah. to handle. And on top of that, they were having a really hard time with the concept of space so sure. they were used to being crammed into yeah. a very small room yeah. and wide open rooms with like normal ceiling heights caused a great deal of anxiety. Gosh, not to mention outside. They could barely be in a room. Yeah. Elizabeth felt so betrayed by her mother and her overall just passiveness and dismissiveness when she was growing up that she ordered her to leave the place that they were all staying. She didn't want her in her sight. I wrote in all caps, understandable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, her mother like might not have been aware of her detainment, but she was fully aware of the abuse that she endured throughout her entire childhood. The Independent wrote an article about Elizabeth and her children in 2010 and stated that they were recovering remarkably well considering what they had been through. Oh. They now play outside and have developed normal sibling relationships. They go shopping and they shower and they drive just like basic things that we take for granted, but are absolute like massive luxuries and like Normalcies. huge feats for them. Yeah. Like that's like yes. massive. Yeah, that's amazing. And over the years, Elizabeth has worked towards forgiving her mother and they now regularly visit each other, oh. which is wonderful. Yeah. Joseph reportedly feels no remorse for his crimes. On numerous occasions, he has said, 
Just look into the cellars of other people. You might find other families and girls down there. Is he still alive? He is alive. He is serving a life sentence at Garston Abbey. And as of a couple of years ago, he says he has no will to live. But he is serving life, zero chance of parole. He is going to die in there. Do you know how old he is? He is 85 years old. Yeah, so he's still can alive live, and kicking though. He can live a lot longer too. Yeah, he's like in this like special unit for the criminally insane. Yeah. As he should be. Yeah. But the Elizabeth and her children all living together. Yeah. Doing better than ever. And that is the incredible survival story of Elizabeth Fritzel and her six children. Yeah, that's amazing. Good job. Thanks. It's nuts butts. <laughs> nuts nuts butts, butts to say the least. <laughs> So do you want to tell the like these folks what we're doing cocktail wise? Fine folks. Every single week, a, a, a nice delicious addition to our Yeah, we stories. were kind of just getting sick of the wine. So we thought maybe we would start making cocktails. So each week we're gonna make a new cocktail and shoot a little video of us making it because um I've never made a cocktail before. <laughs> no, it's like a two recipe thing for me. The alcohol and then the mixer and I'm good yeah. to go. Yeah, that's the most I've ever done, but we're gonna actually like make beautiful delicious delicious cocktail so this week we're making a honey georgia whiskey peach Peach. Mm. yeah i am very excited it tastes delicious Mm -hmm. and we will be posting the video so that you can follow along and make it with your uh i was gonna say your gals or your guys and gals your people (laughs) your humans Um, yeah we're gonna post the recipe each week on our instagram and if you have a recipe that you like that you want us to make for an episode then just send it in Yeah, we would love to try them. Thanks for listening, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Buckle up. Season four is going to be a good one. It's going to be dark. Yeah, dark and good. Yeah. All right. Well, bye. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you enjoy listening. We owe everything to the many journalists, authors, filmmakers, psychiatrists, and psychologists whose extensive work and expertise we pulled from to share this episode with you. For all of our detailed source material, please visit our website, thecrimebarpodcast.com. If you'd like to see content from today, you can find us on Instagram and YouTube at crimebarpodcast. We really love doing this show, and if you'd like to help the continued creation of it, you can support by donating to our Patreon, which we have linked on our website as well as our Instagram, patreon.com slash crimebarpodcast. This episode was hosted by Ashley Brumley-Johnson and Anna Katharina. We'll see you next week. <laughs>